0: Hello. Welcome to
1: Spiritual Hello?
0: Insights,
1: everyone. Hey, Dr. Bob.
0: Hey. How are you?
1: I'm okay. i got to figure it out. but The show has started, so let me just start over, and then I'll do some editing, okay?
0: Okie doke.
1: Okay. Hang on. Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today is our virtual pledge for A Course in Miracles with my special guest co-host, Robert Rosenthal, MD. Dr. Bob joins me on the second Thursday of the month, and we have returned to our original time of 3 p.m. Eastern, if you would like to mark your calendars. This year, we have been delving into the topic of special relationships, as defined by the course, in an ongoing series. Last month, we broke from the series to discuss the natural disasters. I'm sorry, that was two months ago. Today, we'll be continuing the series with um, Chapter 16 section 6 and we're going to pick up at paragraph 8 and continue through 12 and possibly go to the next section. So if you're new to the show, Dr. Bob is the co-president of the Foundation for Inner P, publisher of A Course in Miracles, having served on the Foundation's Board of Directors since 1992. He was a practicing, was a practicing psychiatrist and psychotherapist for 32 years before, return, before retiring to take on this position. He was introduced to the course in 1975 at the age of 20 by Judy Scutch, and became a close personal friend and protege of Dr. Bill Setford's co-scribe of the course. Dr. Bob is the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit, published by Hay House. This book interprets the biblical story of Exodus and demonstrates the ego's perception of life's condition. It is recommended, it is recommended to read this book prior to studying Course in Miracles, or to effortlessly deepen your understanding of the course's abstract concept. To connect, visit from PlaguesToMiracles.com. At the website, you can read excerpts or purchase the book, which will make a profound addition to your spiritual library. To learn more about and purchase the combined volume of the Course in Miracles and discover other valuable resources, visit ACIM.org. You can review the archives of our discussions at SpiritualInsightsRadio.com, and you can connect with Dr. Bob on Facebook on his page, Plagues to Miracles. Well, let's get started and welcome Dr. Bob back to the show. How are you, Dr. Bob?
0: I'm very good, Char. Thank you so much. How are you?
1: I'm doing okay, doing okay.
0: Got a lot of work to do, but everything's yeah. going well. Good. Yeah, this I'm, has been uh, probably the busiest month of my life, but um, <clears throat> but 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 everything, you know... It, it it's an interesting perspective i think so many of us get bombarded with so much i mean the to do list is like you know in from plagues to miracles i wrote about it like that beast in mythology the hydra that you know the whoever it was the greek hero cuts off one head and three more grow back and uh-huh. um, i was just talking with someone in at the foundation for a piece about all the to do's and you know, we can make ourselves crazy with it. I think it's one of the ego's favorite strategies. And you just got to kind of stay in peace and take them one at a time or whatever seems to show up. Um, but, mm-hmm. but there's just such a sense of anxiety and false urgency that comes with so many of them. Um, so, yeah, we're all busy, but, uh, but, but the, real, the real work is inner work, not outer work
1: interesting you say that we're on the same page already (laughs) (laughs) and i'm looking forward to this section especially because of what has been happening in my quote reality there's been a lot of changes and like you say um for me there's been a lot of shifts and a lot of revelations Mm. that support those shifts and um As I went to check the material today, I had a very profound experience because as I think about it and the relationships in my life to which I can apply the wisdom, I realized something and with all that's happening with me in the form of changes in my reality and there's even more happening beneath the surface and I've had increased awareness, revelations, inspiration and some form of awakening, they've all become a part of my immediate reality and it can get confusing sometimes. It, it can seem disorienting, like the, this section said. Yes. But yesterday on the air, I had a talk with Mother Mary, and she talked about needs. And so I've been thinking about needs, and it clicked when I read the first paragraph, well, paragraph 8. It clicked that my, my greatest need is I need a complete understanding of my own being. And that the mm-hmm. special relationship I'm really working on is the one I have with myself. And so, the image of crossing this bridge described can seem a little daunting. Like, like even the text can kind of trigger me a little bit, but the reward of it is eternal because um, um, I think my willingness increased because if I can truly understand who I am and what my purpose is, then I think I can understand and accept anything the world has to offer. It was a pretty profound moment for me today. that's
0: pretty heavy. yeah that's that that's pretty great, yeah. You know, in terms well, of that, I was thinking maybe we start with the paragraph before and just read it with a very brief discussion, paragraph 7, just to orient, because I think that if we just jump right in with paragraph 8, it, it, it doesn't, you know, it, it needs a little more context.
1: I agree. I agree.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. And seven's a good number to start with. So. <laughs> it
1: is a good number,
0: um, should I jump in or you want to do seven? Uh,
1: no, you jump in and I'm going to check stuff with my headset while I'm listening to you.
0: Sounds good. All oh, right, okay. so paragraph seven, um, this is in chapter 16, section six. Mm-hmm. And they're talking, and, and the title of this section is The Bridge to the Real World. So this, this paragraph is referencing the bridge. As what we cross over to get to the perception that, of course, in miracles, just um, labels the real world—that is, seeing the world stripped of all your illusions and all the past and all the garbage that the ego puts on it—and um, seeing it in the fresh vision of Christ and Holy Spirit. Paragraph seven: the bridge is n- the bridge itself is nothing more than a transition in the perspective of reality. On this side. Everything you see is grossly distorted and completely out of perspective. What is little and insignificant is magnified, and what is strong and powerful cut down to littleness. In the transition, there is a period of confusion in which a sense of actual disorientation may occur. But fear it not. For it means only that you have been willing to let go your hold on the distorted frame of reference that seemed to hold your world together. This frame of reference is built around the special relationship. Without this illusion, there could be no meaning you would still seek here. You know. So what this is saying is that you know, um, and and what will launch us into the rest of the section is that there's a transition zone. Where we're crossing over, and it may be a little disorienting, but on one side, the ego side, we don't under, you know—everything we see is, is wrong. It's distorted. It's out of perspective. We value what's truly valueless and what really has value. You know, we barely even register it. Um, on the other side, of course, it, it's just the opposite. But then it's making the case that our frame of reference for the past, for what's valuable is built around the special relationship. And in a way, that's almost like the capstone for what Shar and I have been reading and reviewing now for the last four or five um, segments, so for many, many months, about the special relationship. So this is now moving out of the idea of, let's just look at our special relationship and you know do what we can to transform it, which is very valid and very important work, and kind of saying that, that as we pull away from the whole idea of special relationships, plural, um, because let's face it, to the ego, every relationship is special. Maybe it's a special hate relationship, maybe it's a grievance, maybe it's a special love relationship, maybe it's that person who always makes you feel good when you think about them. Um, Whatever it is, the ego only conceptualizes relationships within a frame of specialness. And and so it says, you know, the end of this section tells us, without this illusion, there could be no meaning you would still seek here, Um, i.e., that is, specialness is what gives the ego and its world meaning, and we want to move out of that and away from that. Okay. Um, Char, uh, what do you think? Perfect. Okay. Shall we move on to eight?
1: Yep, let's jump right in.
0: Ready? Okay.
1: Okay, here we go. Fear not that you will be abruptly lifted and hurled into reality. Time is kind, and if you use it on behalf of reality, it will keep gentle pace with you in your transition. The urgency is only in dislodging your mind from its fixed position here. This will not leave you homeless and without a frame of reference. The period of disorientation which precedes the actual transition is far shorter than the time it took to fix your mind so firmly on illusions. Delay will hurt you now more than before only because you realize it is delay and that escape from pain is really possible. Find hope and comfort rather than despair in this. In this. You could not long find even the illusion of love in any special relationship here. For you are no longer wholly insane and you would soon recognize the guilt of self-betrayal for what it is. And that's what hit me so heavily.
0: Mm, The guilt of
1: self-betrayal. the self betrayal, self-blame, the, you know, blame, shame, guilt, um, being angry with yourself for having had to experience certain things, mm-hmm. we turn that against us instead of, you know, we can get to some level of acceptance, but there's still a part of, I'm long going to say me, that because of some experiences, I still blame myself, whether it's because I hadn't seen it coming or because I couldn't get myself out of it, whatever the situation was. But this is what I have to say about this. And it's that if anybody's worried about disorientation, um, it's, it's not that bad. And were you to make that shift, you wouldn't be so disoriented that terror about it would be necessary. You don't have to be afraid of it. You just have to be consciously aware of what's happening. What I think about time is that time is an energy field, and we all have a relationship with it. Time is kind because it does not go too fast nor too slow as you assimilate and transition in a series of shifts that are necessary to your own awakening. And so with time being kind, it supports you. Because you're part of the planet, and I'll go a little deeper, in order to come to this planet, we need to have a contract with it. And part of that contract includes that relationship with time. And so depending on our use of it and our perception of it and our relationship with it, love, hate, whatever you have, if we can ground and connect to that, then we can use it to our advantage to smooth out whatever experience we're having that seems disorienting. And so delay will hurt you only because it's that unwillingness to cross that threshold. And soon, um, my understanding is that a lot of us are coming up to a threshold and it's like a linear threshold in time. And once we cross over it and it's in the new year, then it's like a whole new world opens up, and that fits a lot of what's been going on lately. And so the insanity that we're perceiving today in the world, I think we're going to have a shift, and it has to start with us. It has to start within us if it's to be extended outward to the collective. Does that make sense? hmm hmm
0: Yeah, I mean, the whole question of time and, of course, in miracles is a topic that... Uh, that people have literally written books on. Uh, Ken Wapnick has a book called, I think, Time, The Vast Illusion, or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. The first line of this paragraph is is one of my, you know, 100 top lines, and A Course in Miracles, one of my favorites, Fear not that you will be abruptly lifted up and hurled into reality. So many um, course students I talk to, you know, they get it. They want to experience love. Uh, they want to release the past and, you know, experience the present with the help of Holy Spirit. But there's this fear of losing our identity uh, as we've known it. Um, there's a fear that we will be abruptly lifted up and hurled into reality. And, of course, the ego climbs on board that and uses it to say, yeah, this, this stuff is scary. You know, be, be careful. Back away. And what the first line is telling us is that, you know, when we turn our lives and our spiritual growth over to the care of Holy Spirit or higher self, they both begin with, they both have the initials HS, um, that you're not, you know, it can't work through fear. That That's another ego ruse, that even time, the the process of time is kind and sort of, you know, gently allow, allows us to move at our own pace in our own time to get through this transition, to begin to see the real world, to release our relationships from the specialness that bound them and um, bring them into holiness, which is where all relationships ultimately live. So I, I really love that line. and And it's not an exception. It's the same thing that the Course tells us all along about the Holy Spirit, which is, give everything in your world to the Holy Spirit for his reinterpretation because you don't know what it means. You've assigned all kinds of meanings to it that are false and that are going to keep you in suffering and misery. But when you allow sort of that little portal into reality to come through. You know, it's sort of like we're trapped in this prison, but we put our ear to the wall, and, and you know what? We can sort of hear in Morse code this little thing coming through, and it's giving us instructions on how to break out of prison, on how to begin to open up um, more space, another portal in that wall where we can hear the instructions even more clearly and do even better. So this is just saying that anything you give to Holy Spirit, including time itself, Will work in a completely different way than you're used to and and be very kind and and I liked what you said about delay, yeah, I mean delay means that you still cherish something in the world of ego and physicality, going, well, you know now nah, l- let me do let me watch this one more drama. let me enter into one more insane relationship first because i don 't really believe. That the Holy Spirit and, you know, I, I still believe that specialness is, is the way to go. <clears throat> I still believe that specialness offers me what I really want. Um, so, yeah, delay is going to hurt now more than ever because some part of us has tasted truth, has seen, however briefly, a glimmer of that light, that spark that lives in everyone. And then, you know, the last line that you keyed on for you are no longer wholly insane and you would soon recognize the guilt of self-betrayal for what it is. So self-betrayal, I mean, we can hear that and interpret that at a bunch of different levels. You were talking about, you know, all the things that we've done that have hurt ourselves, which, you know, truth be told, is pretty much all, you know, the entire history of the past for each one of us until we decided that um, there must be a better way, as Bill Thetford put it to uh, Helen Schuckman in giving birth to A Course in Miracles. It was all mm-hmm. insane. It was all crazy. And it's self-betrayal because we made a choice to believe in a false sense of self, an ego self, a self that's identified with a particular body and a particular appearance and a particular you know, set of um, uh, personal history. And all of that is betrayal of our true self, our self as God created us. You know, A Course in Miracles has three lessons and three reviews of the simple phrase, I am as God created me. And it says, if you could accept this completely, you know, not only would you be enlightened and saved, as it were, but the entire world would be. I guess that's the uh, hurled into reality that we're all afraid of. But, yeah, oh. um, you know, by believing in a false self, we betray our true self. And there's tremendous guilt in that. And the guilt perpetuates it because we deal with the guilt by going, I don't want to look at that. I think I'm going to go look for something special that will make me feel really good, and then I don't have to feel guilty. But, of course, searching for someone special, something special, only intensifies the guilt because we continue to betray ourselves. Yeah, Okay. And
1: I would add, I would add that, wouldn't the ultimate self-betrayal be where it says in sentence six, and that escape from pain is really possible? Wouldn't the ultimate self-betrayal be denying yourself from taking that opportunity to escape from the pain that you're in? To choose to be in pain instead of relinquishing it? That, that, for me, is one of the biggest forms yeah. of self-betrayal because you're, you're keeping, like you said, and keeping yourself attached to the lower self and its perception of who you are and what life is, operating from the higher self, you would be crazy not to choose escape from pain knowing that there is nothing.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think, I mean, that nails it because the consequence of choosing wrongly, choosing with your ego rather than allowing Holy Spirit in to be your companion, your partner, your guide, um, the result is pain. The result is suffering. And who, in their mm-hmm. right mind, would choose pain and suffering? Well, only someone who's insane, which again is kind of a profound and powerful statement about where we're all coming from. You know, we think we're sane, we think we know what's going on. No, we're we're freaking crazy, um, mm-hmm. and we can't pull out of it on our own. We need the help that comes from the world, the real the world of sanity, which comes through Holy Spirit and the Jesus of the course. Um, or your higher self, however, whatever label you want to put on it, help is there, help is ever-present, um, help yeah. is waiting. You just have to ask.
1: And in that sense, when we're you know, stuck with the identity of the lower self and we are striving to uh, operate from the higher self, we need a bridge, and the Holy Spirit is that bridge. And so let the Holy Spirit help connect you your higher self by summoning that holy instant. And yeah. so, that's that's what we need to do. That's it. I love this stuff. My goodness. I do
0: too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost and you know, and we're doing it. We're on the path. We're doing it.
1: We are. We certainly are.
0: Hmm.
1: Ready for paragraph nine?
0: Yeah, so, nine. Nope, go right ahead. Nothing you seek to strengthen in the special relationship is really part of you. And you cannot keep part of the thought system that taught you it was real and understand the thought, capital T, the thought that knows what you are. You have allowed the thought of your reality to enter your mind, and because you invited it, it will abide with you. Your love for it will not allow you to betray yourself. And you could not enter into a relationship where it could not go with you, for you would not want to be apart from it. So, yeah, this just kind of continues the idea that we were just talking about in terms of self-betrayal. Anything that we want to strengthen in this special relationship um, isn't a part of us, you know, because specialness isn't of God. You know, God is one. God is equal. Um, the light of God shines equally in all of us. Specialness is, is the ego invention. So anything that we value, anything we want to strengthen, um, anything that we think we want more of uh, in this special relationship, it, it's not really part of us. And we can't hold on to something that's not part of us and still know our true self. Um, you know, there, there's a lovely little um, section um, uh, quotes in um, the section in chapter 22 called Your Brother's Sinlessness that says, um, and I'm reading here, to believe that one exception can exist is to confuse what is the same with what is different. One illusion, cherished and defended against the truth, makes all truth meaningless and all illusions real. And that's that's kind of what this is saying, but but with um, specifically focused on the special relationship. If you try to keep any part of it, if you cherish anything in it, you have basically said to spirit, "Eh, truth, I, I, I don't need that. I, I, I'd rather have specialness, you know. Um, it's kind of like saying, "I'm here in the prison, and you know, I, I, I'd rather get you know uh, a little bit extra plate of that gooey gruel with the maggots in it because, wow, I got a little more food today then break out of prison completely and smell fresh air and eat good food. Um, you know, it, it, it's saying that you're making a choice to stay within the world of perception, within the world of your false self. But this is saying we've already invited it in and that our love for truth, our love for our real self, basically won't allow us to betray ourselves again, at least not in a way that will last, um, you know, we'll, will we have the ability to realize it now. I mean, I think anyone, including myself, we fall back into specialness. We fall back into illusion. But one of the hallmarks of progress is it doesn't last long. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there are alcoholics yeah. who, who join AA and then have a drink and, you know, and spend five years as drunks before they crawl back into that AA meeting and try again. Um, but the next time, if they drink again, hopefully they wake up a little sooner. This isn't working for me. This isn't what I want. Um, we, we, we're we not going to delay truth because we know from experience that truth feels good. Truth, truth dispels pain, dispels suffering, because those are part of the illusion. And so even when we slip, we can pull ourselves out a lot faster, um, You know, we we know what's happened, and we make that choice for truth um, again because we don't want to be apart from it. We don't want to be apart from our true self. Awesome. Yeah. Your thoughts? Nope.
1: I I think you took a lot of it out of my mouth, and it's funny. When you you go to describe, like, the prison and the food and the outside, I can see it all happening as you describe it. It's a cool experience. And I hope the listeners right. get that experience too, because it's uh, it's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've contented ourselves with with nothingness, and uh, and you know, when nothingness doesn't feed you.
1: <laughs> no. And then I'd look at your book, from place to miracles, and with the with the example of the mana coming from heaven. Yeah. And the directive that you only take what you need at any given time. You can't hoard it. And so I, I, um, I, that's been going through my mind as you were reading the paragraph and talking about it, that the the person in the prison, because it's what he's used to, and he's afraid of the unfamiliar, doesn't want to leave the prison because all of that um, stimulus that is unfamiliar would be so startling to him that he might as well stick to what he knows. And yep. that's got to get it. You know, yeah. it's 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 got to feel like a prison, and eventually, because time marches on, there's got to be a thought somewhere, someday. You know what? I think I'll dissolve these prison bars and just be who I am.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and 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 I think that the way it's described in the course is that's the way it has to be. We we can't be allowed to betray ourselves like this for very long.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You can't find Mm -hmm. happiness and get rid of suffering in a prison. You have to break out. You know, you can't. You're such a resplendent, magnificent being as God created you, which is as a unity that that applies to all of us, that to try to content yourself with something that is not of you, that is is limited, that is special, um, it, it can't work. It's a travesty. It it undermines the reality of your being. Um, And, you know, you you can't find uh, sanity in the asylum, in the crazy house. You can't find peace on a battleground and you can't find freedom in prison. Uh, You Mm. know, we have to break out. And this is telling us that we're already en route. We're already launched. I mean, in a way, mm-hmm. this this is a very positive, hopeful, optimistic section. You know, it's kind of telling us we're far enough along that that, that we don't have to worry. We're not going to go back. We're not going to, you know, delay will harm us, but we know too much to really, you know, fall into that trap.
1: And then go back to idols because what we're clinging to is nothing but a shiny trinket distracting us from the truth of who we are. So the more willing and the more open we are to Accepting the thought that is us, we are a thought of God and a spark of God. And going to that level of self-acceptance at that level can certainly pave the way for the rest of whatever needs to come.
0: Yeah. Mhm. Oh, boy. <laughs> yep. I like Paragraph this. 10? I yes.
1: Know. I'm having so much fun. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Paragraph 10. Be glad you have escaped the mockery of salvation the ego offered you, and look not back with longing on the travesty it made of your relationships. Now no one need suffer, for you have come too far to yield to the illusion of the beauty and holiness of guilt. Only the holy and sane could look on death and suffering, sickness and despair, and see it thus. What guilt has wrought is ugly, fearful, and very dangerous. See no illusion of truth and beauty there. And be you thankful that there is a place where truth and beauty wait for you. Go on to meet them gladly and learn how much awaits for you for the simple willingness to give up nothing because it is nothing. Hmm. Be glad you have escaped the mockery of salvation the ego offered you. So the prison is the ego. And, so, and, and it offers you salvation and maybe shelter. And freedom from responsibility. But you have the ultimate responsibility, which is to escape this prison and relinquish what is holding you back. Look not back with longing on the travesty it made of your relationships. L- looking back and, what, lamenting what, what your perception was of that relationship and wishing you could have kept it the same? No, it, that can't be. No one needs suffer for you have to come too far. Coming this far, you can't really go back. You can travel in time in your mind, but it, you're not achieving the results that you set out to achieve. And only, whole, only the holy and saint could look on death and suffering and all these other things and see it that way, the beauty and the holiness of guilt. Mm-hmm. And so be you thankful that there is a place where truth and beauty wait for you. It's inside you. It's inside you. Heaven is inside you. You are that spark. And all, all you need to do is recognize it. So go on to meet that spark of yourself, of God, gladly and learn how much will await you for the simple willingness to give up everything that's making you unhappy and embrace all that will give you ultimate peace. That's how I take that paragraph.
0: Well said. Well said. Um, Thank you. I don't have a lot to add, but I want to accent that line. Now, no one needs suffer for you have come too far to yield to the illusion of the beauty and holiness of guilt it 's an illusion now, nobody looking at guilt honestly is going to go, oh guilt that 's beautiful that 's holy. I want that no, you know guilt is guilt, but when it gets dressed up as specialness, you know when you uh, you know take the monster and put a pretty face on it uh, then you may not recognize it, but only the holy insane could look on death and suffering, sickness and despair, and see it thus. And then the next line, I, I find very um, sort of like a, a dash, a splash of cold water. What guilt has wrought is ugly, fearful, and very dangerous. You know, very dangerous. Well, why is it dangerous? Because it tempts us in a direction where we lose sight, literally, of who we are. We look on our brothers and sisters as sources of specialness. And as I said, that includes special grievances and special hate, as well as special love, instead of mm-hmm. seeing within them the great rays, the spark, the son of God. Um, all right. Um, Very nice. And then that last line, um, you know, learn how much awaits you for the simple willingness to give up nothing because it is nothing. Illusion is nothing, you know, uh, there's nothing there, so you're not giving up anything, there's, you know, or certainly nothing real, and note, it doesn't say it awaits you just for giving up, it's just for the simple willingness to give up nothing, in other words, once you realize you don't want it, once you're willing to give it up, basically the, the job is pretty much, uh, you know, already well on its way to being done. In reality, it's already complete because the only reason that we're separate from God and truth is that it it was our choice. Our will thought it could separate from the will of God and create a new will. And that new will could create a new world. And in that new world, we could be special and whatever the heck else we wanted. Um, And, you know, it's an experiment that didn't work. It made us nuts, literally insane. So, um, you know, the simple willingness to give up illusion, to give up nothing, because it is nothing, because you now recognize it as nothing.
1: Yes, and how can the illusion of separation and fragmentation possibly compare to the piece of wholeness? Yeah. You know? Look can. where the true value is. It's not hard to see.
0: That's yeah. what we all can. want,
1: wholeness. We want safety. There's safety and wholeness. There's terror in fragmentation and separation. And running around the planet trying to find something to soothe that because nothing really can. Except this.
0: Yep. Yep. The only thing that'll satisfy us is truth.
1: Right. Let truth come. Right. ready for paragraph eleven?
0: Yeah, paragraph eleven. The new perspective you will gain from crossing over will be the understanding of where heaven is. From this side, it seems to be outside and across the bridge. Yet, as you cross to join it, it will join with you and become one with you. And you will think in glad astonishment that for all this, you gave up nothing. The joy of heaven, which has no limit, is increased with each light that returns to take its rightful place within it wait no longer for the love of God and you and may the holy instant speed you on the way as it will surely do if you but let it come to you. So here we get, um, you know, here we get a little bit of a, a view of, 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 you know, of what awaits us when we give up nothing. It's a new perspective, um, an understanding of where heaven is as opposed to, uh, an understanding, a pseudo-understanding, a false understanding of the world we think we see, which is one where heaven is not. Um, and from where we stand on one side of the bridge, the world of perception, we think that heaven must be outside of us, across the bridge somewhere. You know, It, 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 it doesn't live within us, yet as we cross to join it, um, it will join with you and become one with you. So this is a really important line. It's saying as you move towards truth, a strange thing happens. Truth starts to join with you, um, and it becomes one with you because, in a sense, you're, you're throwing aside all of your illusions. You're you know sort of casting them off, and as you do that, all that's going to be left is truth. So it's sort of like it goes back to that willingness idea um, that we were just talking about. As you move towards truth, because you want it, because you recognize that everything else is nothingness, then truth moves towards you because it was already inside of you. And as you discard the nothingness that you thought was something, what shows up instead is the the oneness of truth in you. Um, And, you know, when it jokes, you know, when you will think in glad astonishment that for all this you gave up nothing. So it's sort of, you know, one of the Course's famous puns, you know. Yeah, you gave up nothing. Um, nothing that you thought was something, but you really didn't have to give up anything. Uh, and then this beautiful line, the joy of heaven which has no limit is increased with each light that returns to take its rightful place within it. Um, wait no longer for the love of God and you. What it means there is it's the love of God and the love that is you. You know, yeah. it's already there. Um, there's a lesson uh, if for those course students who are, doing the lessons and keeping with the calendar year it was um i think yeah just within the last week um and it says you know i will not fear to look within today um well within is that light within is that love um you know uh and and when we do that uh wait no longer for the love of god and you it's in you and may the Holy Instant speed you on the way, as it will surely do, um, if you but let it come to you. So it's kind of a beautiful paragraph that's letting us. It, it, it's kind of not mapping out; it's describing that process. Um, you know that as as we sort of stand down from illusion, truth stands up within us and becomes us. Okay, mm-hmm. over to you, Shar. <laughs>
1: Just to add that, you know, along with that, what we're really giving up are our misperceptions about the world, about ourselves, you know? Yeah. And and, and that's everything you just said was so perfect. That's all I can add.
0: Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, okay. you know, it's... Um, it's all just such beautiful stuff. I mean, the more I work with A Course in Miracles, the more blown away I am by each paragraph. And uh, you know, if you're if you're relatively new to A Course in Miracles, all I can say is to encourage you: stick with it. Um, the difficult stuff gets easier. The passages that you read and go, "WTF? This is gibberish." Mm-hmm. They start to mm-hmm. unwind and make more sense, and there is a transmission in that unwinding as as you embrace the material and work with it 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 kind of really does wake something up in you um very directly, so yeah, stick with it um because i you know i I don't know of any other any other spiritual book that's like it um and yeah, I'm biased because this is my path but But I've looked at a lot of other books and a lot of other wonderful books, but at a certain point, almost every line in this just leaps up and, you know, shouts freedom to you.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. opens your eyes even further. Yeah. And I haven't said it in a while, but it bears repeating in case anybody's new to the show and is listening for the first time or joined us, joined the community just recently. I've always told my students that my experience with the course is that The text is one thing. The lessons are another thing, but they support each other. So in doing the lesson, that opens you up to understanding the text. In reading the text, it opens you up to doing the lesson and the reason for doing them. And I see the lessons as miracles in themselves because they break you out of time. And so that was my first experience with the course and experiencing those lapses in time so that truth can come in and you can download whatever it is you need on any given day. So I would also encourage everybody, do the lesson. But if you don't understand the text, stick with the lesson. At some point, it's going to make sense to you because the lessons are there to rearrange what is wrong about your thinking. And so it breaks it down, builds it up. So then there's going to come a day where you read something and it makes perfect sense to you as you need it for that day you could read it a year later, and it makes even more sense to you. Yes, and
0: exactly. And
1: Dr. Bob's been doing this for a long time. I've been at it for 16 years. And I had to go get a new book because I wanted a fresh experience with all the material as we move through the series on the radio show. And that's what's happening. I am having the most profound experiences. It's almost difficult to describe. That's pretty, um, that's pretty interesting for someone so loquacious, And generally not at a loss for words, but it's so profound. All I can do is be still.
0: Yeah, what's happening
1: inside me? All the movement inside and outside, and just movement forward and great leaps and um, great leaps in understanding and great leaps in self-acceptance. It's miraculous. So,
0: yeah, literally,
1: don't let us unify ourselves. Join us.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and thanks for adding that about the text in the workbook. I mean, you know, there are people who feel like they have to work their way through the text first, and it can get very frustrating, whereas the workbook plunges you right in, um, sometimes for some people too fast. Use your own guidance. Trust your own guidance. I mean, the whole you know, the whole point of this is to bring you into connection with Holy Spirit, higher self, um, the voice of Jesus again I don't care what words you apply to it um, to bring you in connection with that which will lead you to freedom love truth uh, and an experience of profound peace and you know trust if the workbook speaks you do the workbook I mean there are a lot of people who go to the manual for teachers first um, although the course says you know the criterion for being a teacher of God is you completed the workbook Um But start, you know, start wherever it speaks to you. And if you run into something that you really just can't get your head around, skip it and go on. There's, you know, sort of a famous anecdotal story, uh, you know, in course mythology at this point, although I do believe it came true, I mean, that it was true, where um, someone comes up to Bill, two people come up to Bill Thetford, one of the course's scribes, at a lecture, and they're arguing about a point, you know, Bill, does the course say this, or is it saying this? Uh, they want him, you know, to sort of answer it. And Bill, okay. like King Solomon, just takes the book and tears the page out and says, okay, here, now go on. Uh, you know, if you run into something that your ego is having a hard time with, just skip it. Um, you know, I, I've worked with uh, a lot of people or heard from a lot of people who, for whom the Course's idea that sickness is a defense against truth just sticks in their craw. they You know, I did not, quote, unquote, make myself sick. I want to get out of this. Not that the Course is saying that you're any different than anyone else, because we're all making ourselves sick in one way or another, because we're insane. But, for example, those particular passages, just skip them for now. Go with what speaks to you. There there are so many um, approaches that this book takes and that's why its whole message can, is encapsulated in three simple lines from the introduction. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. And yet it takes another 1,249 pages to flesh that all out and fill it in and, and get us there. It, it's because some section is going to speak to one person and some to another. But if you stick with it, the ones that didn't work start to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I can testify to that because there are parts of the text that I used to look at and go, "Oh, groan!" I'm going to have to read that again. And I read that and I go, "Wow, that was a lot better than I remembered it." Because my own mm-hmm. learning has has advanced and I understand it in a different way. Yeah. So and yeah, sidebar I, on the I want
1: to uh, I want to speak to um, the listeners in terms of what we talk about in my other segments. And when it comes to this, and if you read it and you say, but I just don't get it, okay, that's fine. But that's an an indication that you could be blocked from it. And what clears the blocks are the lessons. And so if I talk about the course in in other segments with uh, people who call into the show, this is why... I consider it so important because if they're calling into the show for advice or help on how to move forward because they're stuck, this is the best piece of advice I can give. Mm -hmm. I can say, do this, do that, here, let me do this energetic healing on you. That's beautiful stuff. But this is a commitment to yourself. And when you commit to yourself, you've got to make progress. And like Dr. Bob said, if it doesn't make sense, move on. This is why the course says so many of the same things in different ways. It explores every facet of every concept in a specific way so that the majority of people can get it. All you need to do is, like I've uh, recommended before, and and with any book, the dictionary, whatever you want to use as a tool, or any other spiritual book, go to the table of contents and run your left hand over it very slowly Mm. when you feel heat or vibration. That's what you need to read on that day. And it works. It really yeah, works. you're
0: dousing it. Oh. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. as you you're said, it, it. Mm-hmm. there's it's so many different hand. ways that this phrases it. Um, you know, or another technique, just flip it open, you know, ask, help me to find something in here that will speak to me. And then just sort of let your fingers um riffle through the pages until one of them just sort of feels right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, same kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Uh, you know, the early chapters of A Course in Miracles, it's much more the personal voice of Jesus speaking directly, um, correcting a lot of the mistakes from the Gospels. I think that's because the scribe Helen Schuckman needed that and connected to that and and that helped pull her in you get past a certain point that still shows up uh, now and then but but you know jesus is very clear in the course he's not special um you know we're trying to let go of the past history is part of the past if you're clinging to the fact that you know one particular body got crucified over two thousand years ago and Mm -hmm. you know you're, you're 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 missing the big picture what the jesus of a course in miracles is saying is i woke up Come join me, and here's how uh-huh. you do it. Um, the later sections of the text, much more um, focused on Holy Spirit, but there's just all kinds of beautiful stuff there. So, yeah, that's our, our, our pitch for um, A Course in Miracles today. Yes,
1: there's our, our, our little infomercial. Yes, just look yeah. through the pages, and your eyes will alight on something that you need to find because your subconscious is running this, and it knows what you need. So trust your subconscious and let go, and just put through it casually. Okay.
0: Yep. All this right, so well? the last paragraph is a great one here. Um, I have it multiple lined and referenced, so why don't you take it away and let's read this last paragraph.
1: Okay, here we go. The Holy Spirit asks only this little help of you. Whenever your thoughts wander to a special relationship, which still attracts you, enter with him into a holy instant and there let him release you. He needs only your willingness to share his perspective to give it to you completely. And your willingness need not be complete because his is perfect. It is his task to atone for your unwillingness by his perfect faith, and it is is his faith you share with him there. Out of your recognition of your unwillingness for your release, his perfect willingness is given you. Call upon him, for heaven is at his call, and let him call in heaven for you. So again, there's a concept where the Holy Spirit acts as a bridge. We don't need to do it alone. We, we need help with it. And, and he is the one who is assigned that task. Um, he just asks one little thing of you. Whenever you're thinking of a special relationship and say in your mind, okay, what special relationship am I looking at? The ones that caused you pain or guilt or confusion. Go to those relationships with which have those elements and then enter with him into a moment and ask him to come in and change your perception. And that's the holy instant. He needs only your willingness to do this and he will give it to you completely. It will happen on some level. You might not see a bright light in your room or you know, an angel walk through a wall, but it will happen on some level. And then it has to take its time because the connection between the three consciousnesses the superconscious, the conscious, and the subconscious. It has to go it through certain channels so that it arises into your conscious mind as a revelation. It can't be thrown into it. That would be detrimental to you. So there is a process to it, but ask him in and be willing, and it will happen on some subtle level. And then I think the more you do it, the more it happens on a level that is perceptible. It is his task to atone for your unwillingness. So help him out by just recognizing your own unwillingness, and then he can come the other way to you. And out of your recognition of that unwillingness, that's what I just said, then he is perfectly willing to surround you in that willingness. Call upon him for heaven is at his call. This is his job.
0: Hmm. And if you
1: feel that you can't reach heaven or anyone in the divine, no matter how you pray, no matter how hard you cry, call upon him and he can serve as that circuit that connection to get that energy through and let him make the call for you and and it's pretty pretty self-explanatory to me what would you want to add to that dr. Bob um,
0: I would just want to add sort of in the the, the the big picture of how a course in miracles tells us the separation happened that there are a number of places where it makes clear we can't get out of this by ourselves. We, we made it, we believe in it. um, We cherish it because mind always cherishes um, what it, what it thinks it gave rise to. Uh, And therefore, you know, there, there are a couple of passages and I, I can't, I won't be able to pull up references. I'm sorry. But where it says, you know, if 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 there weren't the Holy Spirit, if there weren't this sort of lifeline, you would be lost to oblivion. You know that we would be in this little thought bubble of time space that we made, um, looking for some way out through specialness, and basically just going round and round and round and round and round, and, round, um, and seeking and seeking and seeking and never finding. But because it's not real, we can't obliterate our true identity. And the Holy Spirit represents sort of that part of us that never fell into illusion, um, that that is anchored firmly in reality. You could think of the Holy Spirit uh, as standing at the end of time, the Course says. And from that perspective, at the end of time, where everyone's already woken up and recognized oneness, we're reaching back and pulling ourselves out of it. Um, as a psychotherapist, I use a very, very powerful imagery exercise sometimes, where someone has uh, experienced a heart—you um, know—a um, moment as a child that was extremely painful or shameful or difficult for them. Usually, at the hands of a parent, sometimes a friend, and and this moment has left um, a terrible mark on them. And what we do in session is I say, well, you know, from your perspective today, you know that you've survived this. You know who you've become. Um, you know you're capable of love and capable of, of of real wonderful relationships. Let's go back, you and I. Let's I call it my Star Trek beam down exercise. Um, mm-hmm. Let's beam down into that situation and let's have you go to that child you used to be and take her or him aside and let him or her know you were there, you know exactly how it felt, but you are so much wiser and more loving of them than any other being in the world because you lived it. And you promise them that they'll move through it. And you know this because you're from the future where it's already happened. Um, and that you're going to stand by that child's side, and even though this is really painful, that child can know that you and your love are there for them. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit, in a sense, um, you know, uh, is kind of a repository of love that we don't know how to reach anymore because we got lost in craziness. And it's saying, no, no, you can't lose it because I stand here At the end of time, I stand here in God's reality, which is the only real thing, and from there, I'm reaching a hand out to you. Or I'm literally beaming back in, and all of the suffering and all of the pain that you're experiencing, I can take it from you, and I can show you that it has no consequence, because it's nothingness, it's unreal. But I can't do that unless you're willing, unless you give it to me, unless you say, take this from me and look upon it for me. Um, once you do that, hey, it's all going to work. Um, but until that point, yeah, you're just going around in circles from one illusion to the next to the next. So this mm-hmm. section is, is outlining, is, is, is emphasizing <clears throat> that role that the Holy Spirit plays. And it's saying, you don't have to be perfect you know, perfection isn't asked of any of us. Doesn't have to be because, in truth, we're already perfect. We just need to wake up to it. We don't have to achieve it through hard work. Um, and right. this is saying, you know, when your thoughts wander to a special relationship which still attracts you, that attraction is just a, a red flag, a wake up call that says, "Oh, you know what? I fell back into the trap of of thinking there's something here that can really satisfy me." And you know. Uh, And stop all suffering. (laughs) I know that's silly. I know that's insane. Now I can enter into a holy relationship with the Holy Spirit, the only relationship he knows, and there I'll be released. So this is kind of um, a program for the way out. And it's just saying when you fall back into illusion... Um, you know, you're you're learning to swim and when you forget how to do that stroke and you sink back into the waters of specialness going, Ooh, there's something here for me and you start choking on it, um, don't just keep choking. Hold your hand out, get help. Um, go back to reality in a special through a special instant uh and and help will be there. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I, I, I really I love that paragraph because, you know, it's not asking us to already be perfect. Um, it's just saying, yeah, when you fall, whenever your thoughts wander, and they will, here's what you do. Simple. Simple. Very. Very. And it, it's, it's
1: for us to understand. The reason we're here on this planet is to remember who we are to get closer to God through our experiences and to find our way back. And because we are in this confusing illusion, we can lose our way in a variety of ways. So we need to recalibrate our compass and we need to look at the Holy Trinity as the North Star. When you don't know what to do, when you don't know what to think or say, and you don't know how to cope or react, ask them. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask God. Ask you, and whoever. But ask. And with that willingness, something will be given you. And so never think that you've lost your way completely. Because all you have to do is find that. That North Star. Hmm. And it's within you. You don't have to look around. You don't have to have sight as a person. The blind can find it just as easily as someone with sight. It's in your heart. The altar is in your heart and that is where you place your fears and your brokenness and your sorrows and your blame for any injustice you think you've incurred in this lifetime place that blame on that altar because no matter how justified you may feel at some level it's a complete misperception and the course is what gets you to true perception and that's all I have to say about that yeah yeah yeah. I mean, Remember the, only thing
0: that's re- the only thing that's required, as it says in the last lines here, is, you know, is to recognize that we aren't willing to be released, that we do have this profound resistance to it. But once we recognize that and accept help, you know, it says his perfect willingness is given you. You know, that, that's what the bridge is all about. We can't – there's this raging river that if we try to swim it on our own, we're going to get swept away, and God knows where we're going to get washed up on shore. But the shore we get washed up on is not going to be the other side. It's going to bring us back to where we started. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Um, and it's saying, stop trying to swim. What's impossible? There's a bridge Walk across the bridge. Be willing to stop the struggle. And as you're willing to stop the struggle because you recognize this crazy part of you that wants to suffer, that thinks that it should be punished for guilt, Um, when you recognize that and say, you know, help me, Um, you know, uh, help me to see my own unwillingness and help me to move through it, you get perfect willingness. Call upon him, for heaven is at his call, and let him call on heaven for you. We don't have to do it. We just have to let it be done.
1: There you in go. In fact, we
0: can't do it, um, but we can allow it to come to us because it's already in us. Yes. All right. Ooh.
1: Let it be yeah. done. Yeah. Wow. Well, before we get to the prayer, I picked out a doozy. Mm. A
0: lovely, it's a long
1: but a good one. Um, I just want to mention from PlaysToMiracles.com it's Dr. Bob's website. Go check out the excerpt of his book. Get the book. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. Spiritual Insights Radio has all of our archives. You can check that out. SpiritualInsightsRadio.com, that is. Yes, okay. please. And it's it's,
0: it's thank quite you. a repository. Mm-hmm.
1: You've gotten a lot of work done. Well, thank you once again, Dr. Bob, for a wonderful virtual class Thank for you, my Char. favorite my favorite material on the planet. Mm. You're welcome. Me too. Okay. Me too. So I will All talk right. to you soon. I'm going to go read the prayer, and I will talk to you next month. Beautiful. All right. Yep. Okay. Here we go. This is from Choose Once Again, selection from A Course in Miracles, published by the Foundation for Inner Peace. You can find a copy of this book at ACIM.org, as well as other materials that you might find inspiring. So this one's a little longer than usual, but it's, it's extremely apropos to everything we've been talking about today. This is on page 26. The thoughts of God are far beyond all change and shine forever. And we are the thoughts of God. The thoughts of God are far beyond. All change and shine forever. They await not birth. They wait for welcome and remembering. The thought God holds of view is like a star, unchangeable, in an eternal sky. So high in heaven is it set that those outside of heaven know not that it is there. Yet still and white and lovely will it shine through all eternity. There was no time, it was not there, no instant when its light grew dimmer or less perfect ever was. Who knows the Father knows this light, for he is the eternal sky that holds it safe, forever lifted up, and anchored sure. Its perfect purity does not depend on whether it is seen on earth or not. The sky embraces it and softly holds it in its perfect place, which is as far from earth as earth from heaven. It is not the distance nor the time that keeps this star invisible to earth. But those who seek for idols cannot know the star is there. Beyond all idols is the thought God holds of you, completely unaffected by the turmoil and the terror of the world, the dreams of birth and death, that here are dreams, the myriad of forms that fear can take. Quite undisturbed, the thought God holds of you remains exactly as it always was, surrounded by a stillness so complete, no sound of battle, Comes remotely near. It rests in certainty and perfect peace. Here is your one reality kept safe, completely unaware of all the world that worships idols and that knows not God. Its perfect sureness of its changelessness and of its rest in its eternal home. The thought God holds of you has never left the mind of its Creator, whom it knows as its Creator knows that it is there. Where could the thought God holds of you exist but where you are? Is your reality a thing apart from you and in a world which your reality knows nothing of? Outside you there is no eternal sky, no changeless star, and no reality. The mind of heaven's son in heaven is. For there the mind of father and of son, joined in creation which can have no end. You have not two realities but one, nor can you be aware of more than one. An idol or the thought God holds of you is your reality. Forget not, then, that idols must keep hidden what you are, not from the mind of God, but from your own. The stars shine still, the sky has never changed. But you, the Holy Son of God himself, are unaware of your reality. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.